The John Morris Show, episode 150. Hey, John Morris Show listeners. You may not know this, but I record the full video of each episode of the show. So if you want to access the full video, or you want exclusive access to my source code library, or you want access to exclusive courses like PHP 101 and Lightning Responsive, or you want to download my exclusive website templates, or you just want to support the show you love, click on over to johnmorrisonline.com slash Patreon, that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N, to become a supporting listener of the show for as little as a dollar a month. If you want to help out the show, you can leave me a five-star review on iTunes, share the show with your friends, subscribe, all that good stuff. Either way, thanks for listening. The John Morris Show. Your life on code. Ladies and gentlemen, John Morris. So before I start today, I know that I'm going to catch hell for this episode. You use the name Donald Trump uh, in your title at all, and it's not immediately calling him all sorts of names, then <laughs> you're going to catch hell. That I, That's just the way this goes. But, you know, if you're looking at... If you pay attention to politics at all, and you, you've seen what's happened in this election, and just how crazy it's been, and how unlikely and improbable it was for him to win the U.S. election, you can't pull some sort of lesson out of that, whether you agree with him or not. And there's a lot I don't agree with him on. There's a lot I don't like about him. But if you can't pull some sort of lesson out of that, if you can't admit that what happened is... Uh, is really kind of revolutionary or it's 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 just shocking and you can't pull something out of that then i i think you're just so blinded by politics that i don't i just don't know what to tell you maybe this isn't the show for you but when i look at this i think there's some really good lessons to be learned from it and i think that it's an illustration of a battle that's taking place everywhere right now in my opinion and it's it's way more than just politics it's happening all across our culture and what has happened you know, given what's happened since the election of Donald Trump it seems like that battle's only going to intensify for a while and there it it affects your web development career. You may not think it does. You may not see the connection yet, but hopefully through this episode, you will. Now, I think I see this because I'm in some ways personally sensitive to it. And I can I can admit that. And it's because growing up, I always felt like I was on the wrong side of this. And so I can relate to those who feel like they've been left behind. And to use Michael Moore's words, want to throw a Molotov cocktail into the system. But again, those grenades aren't just going off in politics. They're going off in industry after industry after industry, and they're empowering those people who feel like they're on the outside looking in. You know, Udemy, Linda, Khan Academy, Upwork, Freelancer, in our particular industry, these are all effects of this same trend, and they're happening in our community. And the thing about it is when you come to grips with all of it and see what's happening and see how you personally have been empowered by it, and you might not even know it, 
I think that you're going to feel a sense of relief and a sense of certainty about your future in IT. You know, regardless of where you line up on the political spectrum, if you can look deeper, if you can look beyond your initial reaction to what's happening, then I think you'll understand what's really going on and how you can work it to your benefit. And you'll be able to quickly amass the skills that you need to guarantee that you can succeed in IT for decades to come, to be able to deal with the uncertainty that's out there. And you can do it at a fraction of the cost of what a lot of people are right now or even in the past have paid or will pay to do it. And you'll learn to block out all the noisy know-it-alls and trust your own instincts so that you can move forward with confidence through that uncertainty. And you'll permanently reject this notion that being a real developer that the elitist know-it-alls use to manipulate you and lead you down rabbit holes that really only benefit them. And so I want to talk about those lessons and what we can learn in our little community from this election. And frankly, I'm combining two, two interests of mine, but I do think there's a ton to learn from it. But before I get into all that, I want to uh, talk a little bit about, I, I often do this at the beginning, a newsletter, uh, an email I sent out in my newsletter the other day. Again, if you want to get subscribed to that, you can head on over to johnmorrisonline.com. It's right at the top there. When you subscribe, you also get access to my free PHP course. Highly recommend doing that. But I send out daily email tips over there. And this is one of the ones I sent out the other day that has got quite a reaction. So I wanted to cover it here. So the subject for this uh, email was bleed for this. And if you don't know, that's a title for an upcoming movie. And all I've seen is the trailer so far. But if you've seen the trailer for this movie, you can kind of get a gist of where I'm going with this. So what I said was, these are the most important emails I send you, and I truly believe that. It's the stuff that no one likes to talk about, but we all think about constantly. So you may have heard me talk about this, but my dad, little brother, and I were in a car accident when I was eight years old. And my dad severed part of his spinal cord and was told by his doctors that he'd never walk again. Now again, if you've seen the trailer for this movie, Bleed for This, you know why this comes up for me, because in the movie... Uh, in the trailer, you see that this boxer is in a car accident and it appears like he's told he'll never be able to box again. And he says, whatever, I'm going to do it anyway, ends up coming back, etc. That's kind of the whole gist of the story. Well, my dad went through that in in real life in a lot of ways. So after this accident, he was completely paralyzed for about two weeks. And his doctor said that he would never walk again. Well, a few weeks after that, he took his first step. And he spent a year relearning how to walk, how to write, how to eat. If you don't know, when when that kind of thing happens to you, uh, you kind of lose all of your muscle memory. And so it's like your body forgets how to do all the little things that you learned as a baby and as a kid growing up. All those, uh, all that muscle memory is kind of gone. And so you have to consciously relearn all that stuff. So every little thing that you and I take for granted, he had to relearn. And three years later, he walked with just a slight limp. And you would never know that he'd been completely paralyzed. A lot of people, they would see him and didn't realize that that had happened to him. They thought maybe he just had some accident or an injury and he had a slight little limp. 
And so my dad did a lot of things wrong raising my brothers and I. I, he did. But the one thing he taught me through that experience is when you really want something, you need to be willing to bleed for it. The world doesn't care that you're tired. It doesn't care that you feel overwhelmed. It doesn't care that you feel confused. It doesn't care how you grew up. It doesn't care what privilege you think you do or don't have. It only cares about one thing. Results. So if you really want this IT thing, this web development career, then be willing to bleed for it. Stop making excuses and get after it. And I believe with all my heart that you can do anything that you truly set your mind to. And it's this kind of unshakable persistence that I believe can work miracles in your life. Now, if you're ready to get started, then I recommend you head on over to johnmorrisonline.com slash learn PHP and take my free PHP course because I'm going to teach you the skills that you'll need to actually do it. But at the end of the day, it comes down to your willpower, your persistence, and your willingness to bleed for this. All right, coming up, we're going to get into the web development lessons that we can learn from the election of Donald Trump, plus your questions in the Q&A section coming up at the end of the, the, the episode. You're listening to The John Morris Show, johnmorrisonline.com. You know, one of the big mistakes that I see a lot of developers make is they make learning how to code much harder than it has to be. For example, I see a lot of developers who think the list of skills that they need to learn to master PHP is pages and pages and pages long. It's not. Now, I've said this before, and I will definitely say it again, but there's a foundational set of skills that you need to learn in order to be functional as a PHP developer, meaning that you can execute on projects and get paid. This is the fallacy that is so prevalent in the PHP developer community, that there's this ideal set of skills that you have to learn and that you have to be the absolute greatest developer in the history of mankind in order to be able to get paid to code. You don't. You simply need to be able to execute on projects. I talk about end results all the time. You need to be able to deliver end results to clients because that's ultimately what they want. But when you focus on these found foundational skills and learning only those first, the things that will allow you to execute on projects, what you realize is that you can start getting paid to code much faster than you probably ever thought because you haven't set this idealistic, unattainable bar for yourself to reach before you allow yourself to take paid work. You can start now when you can execute on a deliverable, when you can complete a, a single project, when you can create a contact form or a business website. When you can execute on that, you can start. And you can start then building the life that you wanted that you got into this all for the, in the first place. Instead of continuing to slave away at some job making somebody else rich. Anyway, you can learn these skills 
in my free course, The Beginner's Guide to PHP, which you can enroll in at johnmorrisonline.com slash learnphp. And it's going to teach you these foundational skills so you can get started right now. Again, it's a completely free course that you can take at johnmorrisonline.com slash learnphp. Don't wait on this. Head over there right now and get started building that life. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the John Morris Show, johnmorrisonline.com. So when I, whenever I think of the election of Donald Trump, which has been kind of this crazy fiasco and just completely shocked everybody, and I think tons of things that you can learn from it, both what to do and what not to do. But whenever I think of it, I'm reminded of an interview that I watched during the 2012 primaries. Now, I'm, I'm a libertarian. I think most of you know that. And so in 2012, I was supporting Ron Paul. And it was during the Republican primaries that it was actually right around the time of the convention. If you don't remember what was happening around that time, there was a lot of stuff that was going on to kind of block Ron Paul, even though he had got, uh, I believe it was the second most votes or delegates for the convention that year. It wasn't anywhere close to enough to win, but it was like the second or third most. And he, they basically kind of, uh, kind of redid the rules and so forth to completely block anybody besides Mitt Romney from their name being read and all, just all sorts of different stuff. It was kind of, uh, obviously they can make their own rules, but it felt a little bit shady. So, uh, Ron Paul ended up holding his own convention, I think, down the street. And they were doing some interviews with the people that were uh, uh, kind of associated with that. And so one of the people that they interviewed was this guy named Doug Weed. And so he was like a senior advisor for Ron Paul during the campaign. And in the interview, they were talking about kind of the left-right paradigm and so forth. And one of the things he said that really struck me is he said, I don't even think it's really about, and I'm paraphrasing here, but he said, I don't think it's really about left or right anymore. And I don't even think it's about up and down referring to rich and poor. So he said, I, today, I think it's a more about in and out and talking about insiders versus outsiders and those in the kind of the political elite class and those who aren't. And that was really kind of the battle that was happening. And I think the election of Donald Trump speaks to that very, very clearly because Donald Trump was a guy who, even though he was wealthy, uh, you know, and even though he was kind of uh, called himself a Republican, I guess, on the right side of the political spectrum, you had all sorts of people, even people from his own party, people that were wealthy like him, you know, quote unquote, in the same class that had come out against him. And a big reason why is because he he is in a way kind of outsider. Now I know there's there's some there's some objections to that that you can make, but having never been a politician before and never really not kind of kowtowing to the political class or the media class or entertainment class throughout the election, he was in in a number of ways an outsider. And so he took a lot of flack for that, some deservedly so, some not, etc. But what it what it what it reveals to me is that I think people across the board are just sick and tired of being told 
what to think by these kind of ivory tower elitist know-it-alls who like to flash around their credentials. But when it comes down to it, often know jack squat about actually getting stuff done. And I think in a lot of ways, that's what the election of Donald Trump represents. Now, I know, again, not all of you probably like him or think of him as a sort of outsider. Again, there's some objections that you could make because he was, you know, first off, he's a billionaire. He was often on the other side of of a lot of the corruption that we talk about in politics. He wasn't the politician, but he was the businessman who who was buying the politicians, so to speak. And so to call him an outsider, you could make an argument that maybe that's not 100% true. But it's clear that to his supporters, that's what he represented. And that's, for our purposes, that's what's most important. I'm not saying that's what's most important for the election, etc. But for what we're going to talk about today, that's what's most important. Because it was clear that that's what people wanted. Bernie Sanders is a representation of that, even though I think a lot of the stuff that he advocates is just absolutely crazy. He still represented on the Democratic side, a sort of outsider. Again, you can make all the same arguments that he wasn't really an outsider uh, or, or similar arguments because he's been in politics for so long and so forth. But that's what he represented to people, and that's what people were craving. You contrast that in both the Democratic primary and in the general election with Hillary Clinton. She kind of represented the ultimate insider, someone who'd been in politics for a number of years, she'd been a, a senator, she'd been secretary of state, you know, she'd been a first lady. She kind of just represented that ultimate insider. And both Trump and Bernie Sanders were the contrast to that, the foil to that, uh, representing the outsiders. And people, you know, you could make an argument that a lot of people on the Democratic side chose Bernie and maybe even had there not been some of the collusion that was going on, maybe even might have chosen him overall. But then in the general election, obviously, people chose Trump. And again, I think that there is a lesson here for you as a web developer, even if you absolutely can't stand the guy and are just like so triggered right now, there's something to be learned. And that Part of that, or, or the core of that, is that people are just sick and tired. As I mentioned before, they're sick and tired of being told what to think. They're sick and tired of being told that they're bad people and there's all these that they they have all these isms because they happen to disagree with you on a particular point, or they don't vote for who you say or who the elitists say that they should vote for. Now, I want you to think about this for a second. Trump had almost the entire media establishment against him. He had almost all of academia against him. He had almost all of the entertainment industry against him. He had almost all of the political establishment, including roughly a third of his own party, against him. And yet he still won. So... I'm sorry, but if you can't see that there's something to be learned from that, then, again, I think you're probably locked in your own bubble. I, I, I don't know what to say, probably beyond trying to reach at this point. And 
what Trump did was essentially give a big middle finger to that elitist class, and he won. And for me, as an outside observer, I'm not a Democrat. I'm not a Republican. I didn't vote for either one of those people. Um, but as an outside observer, it's it's fairly remarkable to have seen that happen. It's something that I don't think anybody ever thought was going to happen. But the larger point here, and I, I bring all that up to kind of lay the groundwork for this, but this isn't just happening in politics. It's happening everywhere. And it's happening in ways that directly affect you as a web developer. And is going to change how you go about the business of succeeding in IT for the foreseeable future. Now, as I mentioned before, I think I'm particularly sensitive to, to this whole phenomenon because of how I grew up. I've always kind of felt like that outsider. And I felt like an outsider in a kind of insider's world or an insider's community. And that's because I was a poor kid who went to a rich kid's school. So my entire child, from kindergarten all the way through graduation. And so my entire childhood was kind of living that outsider role and being that outsider in, in, in the insider world. And the reason that happened is my parents were Catholic. So I attended a Catholic uh, school. It so happened that that Catholic school had seven churches that supported it. So most of, it didn't have to charge a ton of tuition. Most of the money that it needed, that it got, that it needed to be able to run the school was gotten through donations through those churches. So those churches had made a commitment to support the school in that area. And so the yearly tuition was not very much. Uh, I think it was like $500 a year for the oldest child and then $50 a year for every uh, child after that. And they had scholarships and so forth. And lo and behold, a lot of years, my family, because we were poor, would win those scholarships. So a lot of years, we didn't even have to pay that tuition, right? The, the school just waived it. And so I was able to go to this school that was, you know, most of the upper, most of the other kids there were upper middle class, wealthy families, so forth. Not all, but I would say the majority were that. Yet I was, I mean, we were dirt poor. We lived in a, a mobile home, a trailer, you know, just uh, some days would go without eating, just completely uh, the opposite of what most of the kids at the school were. And so, again, I felt like an outsider. And the kids there made sure, especially in the the younger grades, it got a little bit better as I got into high school and I was happened to be good at sports. That kind of got me a pass. But when I was younger, those kids made sure to make sure I, they, they made sure I knew my place. You know, they, they made sure that I didn't ever feel like I really belonged. And so I remember right after my dad's accident, we went from being kind of one of those middle-class families to being as poor as we were. And we got a lot of donations, you know, to, to, again, to people's credit. I don't want to completely rag on the community, but they gave they donated clothes to us and so forth and and a lot of the parents in the community you know really helped us out and, but you know i would go to school wearing some of those hand me down donated clothes and get made fun of by kids i remember one time i was walking through school and a kid came up to me and said hey that's a nice shirt and i was kind of shy and i was always kind of jaded because i'd been made fun of so much for being poor that i was just kind of shyly was like okay 
thanks. And then the, of course the person fulfilled what my, what I thought was coming and said, uh, it used to be mine or I, I really liked it when it was mine and it was kind of making fun of me. And, and that kind of thing happened all the time where I would just get made fun of for wearing these donated clothes to the point that I didn't even want to, I didn't even want, I had all these clothes donated. I didn't even want to wear them because I knew that somebody at some point was going to make fun of me for being their clothes, you know, and, and I used to get picked on all the time because we never had any money. So I never had money. You know, sometimes I wouldn't have money for the lunches at school. Uh, I remember, I can't count how many times, you know, we would bounce between being getting free lunches and getting uh, half price lunches and having to pay full lunches. We would just bounce back and forth. So one day I would go to school and all of a sudden they had redone the calculation and now we had to pay half price. You know, we had to pay half of the price for the lunch or we had to pay full price. And I didn't have, I mean, we didn't have any money. So I just, I didn't eat. Right. So I'd be the only kid there at school sitting there without anything to eat. Right. And I would get, get made fun of for that. Or I wouldn't have money to go, you know, there were all sorts of, of, you know, athletic events that when you're younger, you could go to the high school games and so forth. You could go to other, other towns when they were away games and watch the games, but you'd have to pay to get in. Why well, couldn't pay to get in? You know, I'd get made fun of for that. You know, they'd want to go out to eat after school or something. I could, ne I could never go or I'd have to borrow money like an idiot. And I would just get made fun of and picked on for all that, that stuff. Now, again, don't get me wrong. There were, there were kids that were very nice and would help out and so forth. But for me at that age, not being able to separate that stuff out, I just felt constantly attacked and constantly made fun of and just felt like an outsider. And I was always embarrassed to have kids come over to my house because my house was <laughs> nowhere near like their houses were. Like, again, like I said, for a lot of years, I lived in a, in a trailer home and it just went on and on and on and on. And growing up in that experience, it, it, it probably would have been one thing if I had grown up just poor around a bunch of other poor people, right? That that would have probably been one thing. I might, might not have felt like an outsider. But specifically growing up poor, surrounded by a bunch of other kids that came from wealthy families, you know, it 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 caused me to want to try and put on a show for a big part of my life. I wanted to try to pretend like I belonged. And I tried to buy into this pretense of elitism. And it, it, it cost me. You know, it put me thousands of dollars in debt. When I graduated high school and I was kind of on my own, and now I had this kind of chip on my shoulder, and I wanted to show everybody, but I hadn't actually put in the work to get there, you know, I ran up credit card bills. I accumulated a bunch of student loans. I tried to do things that I wasn't capable of doing. I tried to take on you know, uh, uh, more expensive rent payments for apartments. And I tried to, you know, get into owning a car and all this different stuff that I tried to do to put on this pretense to try and show that I belonged, even though I didn't. And I was trying to live that life and live like them and be like everybody else. But I was way beyond my means. And what it did is it actually made things much worse. Now, not only was I poor, but I was poor with a bunch of debt, right? And so it just, uh, it, it made things a lot worse. But then there were some kind of strange things that happened that, that, that woke me up. And 
you know, there's kind of a progression of how all this, this came together. But I saw kids that I went to school with who, you know, came from wealthy families, seemed to come from wealthy families. A lot of them had, you know, parents that own their own business. You know, tough times hit, you know, some of the housing market stuff. Even before that, some of the dot-com bubble was more around the time that I graduated. There was rough times in the economy and those some of those business and just disruption in general from the internet, you know, some of those businesses went belly up. And now those people who seem to come from wealthy families, you know, they started losing their homes. They started, you know, being devastated like my family was when my dad had his accident and and I saw them going through some of the same things that that my family went through. And it kind of showed me, hey, you know, this can happen to everybody. I'm anybody. I'm not cursed, right? Like a lot of my life growing up, I just thought I was cursed. I just thought this is what my life was destined to be. But I saw this happening to other people and I realized, hey, this can happen to anybody. Then I saw kids that I went to school with or people that I knew, family members, etc., one after another, take the quote unquote proven route, you know, go to college, get a good grades, get a degree, and then you'll get a good job. But I saw them come out with no job, with no prospects for a job. And I'd find them at the local McDonald's or Walmart or wherever a couple years later, you know, making just above minimum wage and they themselves in tens of thousands of dollars of debt from their degree. I saw them, their degree getting them nothing. And then I saw some of them who would start off good. Maybe they would take that proven route and and maybe they would get a decent job. And then some sort of adversity would hit. Something would happen. Maybe it was with the economy. Maybe it was with them personally, whatever. And they just completely lose it. It's, they'd go into a coma. It was like they never had any sort of adversity like that before. And they had no idea how to handle it. And it woke me up to the fact that while my experience as a kid was rough, it also prepared me for real life that I had kind of developed a survivor's mindset. And I want you to remember that phrase, survivor's mindset. But I was able to navigate a lot of adversity that other people weren't able to navigate. And I saw that these things happen to other people and that this is just the way life goes. And it kind of showed me that these people, these kind of elitist people, didn't have a monopoly on knowledge or success. That they, they they weren't people that knew something that I didn't know. They had just kind of, not necessarily fallen into circumstances. Obviously, their parents had, had worked hard and created some of the circumstances. But they were, they ended up, the kids had ended up in circumstances that they didn't really have any control over. And in a lot of ways, I was better prepared for what was coming than they were. And it really kind of tore down this facade of me having to feel like I needed to to belong to that class, that that insider group. You know, and when I look at this, I relate this all to our industry specifically. You know, we've seen the fall of this whole notion of networking. You know, getting work in in a uh, humanities or a, a technology sector, something to do with design and so forth, that used to revolve very heavily around networking, about who you knew. And you would have to spend, you know, a number of years networking and, and, and getting into the industry and so forth in order to really get any sort of 
traction going with a kind of freelance career. But we've seen that entire notion blown up. You know, sites like Upwork and Freelancer.com, for all their flaws and all the things that you hate about them, if you had to take the trade-off between having to network and make no money for several years or try your luck with these freelance sites, I think most of us would would choose the latter. We would choose what we have now because we have a lot more control over it. There's not some of some sort of elitist group that we have to try and break into in order to 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 get any headway or get any traction in, in our career. You know, and we've seen universities wane in importance with sites like Khan Academy, Udemy, Linda, and others. We've we've seen that market very heavily disrupted, this elitist class in, in in these universities and academia kind of put put on notice and and put on their heels that that things are changing. We've seen college kids in their dorm rooms create applications or websites that revolutionize the world in ways that we never imagined to the point that some of those applications that were built by these kids in their college dorm rooms who those kids ended up dropping out are now being blamed for the outcome of a presidential election in, I guess, the largest country in the world or considered the most powerful country in the world right now. Those those kids' kids' creation <laughs> are now being blamed for, for that election. So if you think about it, if you really step back and look at what's going on, it's absolutely insane. And what it shows, what it says to me, what I think it shows you is that this elitist class, this supposed monopoly on knowledge and information is crumbling all around you. It's not just in politics. It's in media. We see the media being disrupted with this sort of alternative online media movement that's happening. Not all of it's good, but not uh, clearly not all of the regular kind of... <laughs> Legacy media is good either, and so you see that industry being disrupted. You see it in entertainment, right? You you still have you know kind of the big movies and so forth, but my kids, I know, all they watch is YouTube, right? So YouTube is disrupting that market. You're seeing podcasting like this that's disrupting it. You see all sorts of enter entertainment is being disrupted in a lot of ways. Technology, you know, it's being disrupted as well, or it, and it's a big part of the disruption itself. And so everywhere you look. People are tired. They're just sick and tired of being preached at by this elitist class, and they're just starting to flat out ignore them. And that's exactly what I think you should do too in our little community with the kind of elitist know-it-alls that we have here that I've talked about before. When they tell you that Oh, you're only a real developer if you know XYZ language or you know this list of skills or whatever. Right? You're only a real developer if you if you know these things. Or that this language, they write some medium post <laughs> that that this language is the future of of technology or web development or this language is now dead and no, only noobs you use that like it's so icky and gross to use that language. Or only noobs do X, Y, and Z or go on freelancer or do this or do that, right? All of that stuff, all that elitist nonsense, this know-it-all nonsense that's out there, every bit of it 
every last bit of it, reject it. It's not, it's exactly what I, I just said it is nonsense. What I think you should do is take on this survivor's mindset. Realize that it doesn't matter that if you learn how to program from a site like Udemy or a prestigious university, people could, they're caring less and less about the badges that you wear and they care more about the work that you do, right? So it doesn't matter where you learn it. You don't have to go to some prestigious club or university in order to learn, in order to be able to get into the in elitist crowd. People they, they are caring less and less. And as we go forward, it's going to just continue down that route. Realize it doesn't matter if you get work from an elite club of developers that you've networked with or if you get it from freelancer.com. Right? Work is work. Realize it doesn't matter that if you're wearing your credentials on your sleeve and, and you're shoving them in the face of everyone you interact with and telling everyone that that they should listen to you because you graduated from Harvard or some other elite institution instead of if you're relying on that instead of the actual work that you've done realize people don't care anymore they're ignoring you because of how fantastically wrong you and the people you you hang around with have been for so long now, look, I understand that this isn't a practical step-by-step, here's how to do this episode, okay? I want to really talk about the lessons learned. And so this is a kind of a mindset thing. It's a kind of a mindset episode. But if you look at at, at what we've gone through and what's happening, there there's a lesson in there about how you approach your career uh, and, and this whole web development IT thing. There's a profound lesson that can be learned from it and can be learned from the what happened with the election of Donald Trump, whether you like him or not. And the best part is, is that I believe once you embrace all this and once you internalize it, that for you, the path forward will become obvious. I know it did for me. And you'll realize that you don't need to buy into this elitist illusion. You don't need to uh, you you realize that you can likely get your IT career going much sooner than you thought. That you don't need to to learn this massive list of skills. That you don't need to get into this in crowd. That you don't need to spend tens of thousands of dollars at some university doing it. And I believe that as you embrace this and internalize it, that you'll realize that your future is much more secure than you think. And it can be quite a relief because everything that's happening is moving in your direction as, as an individual. It's more, more and more you're being empowered as an individual. And again, whether you, whether you like the guy or not, I think what happened as a whole represents that movement. That people are more and more are just absolutely sick and tired of being told what to think and what to do by the supposed elitist class that thinks that they have the monopoly on knowledge and what's right and so forth. You had that entire elitist class in politics, in media, in entertainment, all across the board, in technology even, all across the board, 
coming out, telling you how you should think about a particular presidential candidate, and that candidate still won. That should tell you something about where people are at right now, where you're probably at right now. So the thing to do now is, I think there's kind of a three things. One, go back and re-listen to this episode. And I want you to re-listen to it until it clicks for you. Now, it might be on, might have been on this first listening. It might be on a second, a third, or fourth. But when you really get this different way of looking at the world, of looking at what's happening, then you're going to have an aha moment where it kind of clicks, like a light bulb goes off. That's what. That's when you know that it, you've internalized it. It'll just click for you on a visceral level, and that's how you'll know that it's again you've internalized this 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 approach, this survivor's mindset. Now, once that's happened, not before, only once that's happened, then what I want you to do is take a moment now after that's happened. And look at what it is that you're after in your IT career. What is, it, what is it that you really want? What is it that really matters? What do you want your day-to-day experience to be like? A lot of times we talk in these vague kind of goals like, oh, I want to make X number of dollars or I want to be able to work from home or I want to be able to, you know, do the things that, like it's, it's vague. Think about it in terms of what do you want your day-to-day experience to be like? When do you want to wake up? What do you want to do first? What do you want to do in order for your work in order to to make your living? When do you want to be done? What kind of, you know, do you want to go on vacations? Where do you want to go? How often do you want to, all that? What do you want your day-to-day experience to be like? And see see what the path to getting there looks like now after you've internalized this. And what I think you'll find, I know what I found is that with this new kind of approach and this new kind of mindset that that path looks a lot different than it did before. And it probably looks a lot more clear than it did before. And I think that you'll have a real sense of confidence about actually being able to walk that path. And so what I want you to do is then write that down in that moment of clarity when you've you've had this aha moment and you're looking at your future and where you want to go and the steps you need to take to get there, write it down. Capture that moment. Because those moments can frankly be a little bit fleeting. And so you want to make sure and capture it. And then the third thing is act on it right away. Start taking steps towards it. Because the more that you act on it, then the more that you're going to have those moments of clarity, the more, the more steps you take, the more that path is going to define itself in front of you, the more clear it's going to get, the more of those aha moments you are going to have. And before you know it, you'll have blown past the vision that you had of what your life would be like. And now you have to kind of start all over. You have to go back and, 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 do it all again and kind of plan your next adventure. For me, what that looked like is the very first thing, the very first vision I had in my head is I just wanted to be able to build stuff, right? That was, that was the very first thing that I ever cared about. I, 
I really wasn't, I wanted like a job and a career was kind of off in the distance, but I just wanted to be able to like sit down and like, Hey, I want to build this thing, this website, this application. I could sit down and I could build it. When I got clear on that, it, it didn't take very long for me to get to that point. And I was like, okay, now I can do this. Now I could start thinking about, okay, what's the next step? Well, I want to, I want to do this for a living. And so I got clear on that next step. Okay. I want to do this for a living. And it, you know, it wasn't very much long after that, that I actually landed my first IT job. And then as I started doing that, I was like, okay, what's next? And now I wanted to leverage that, the the skills I had, the job that I had, I wanted to leverage it for more freedom. I wanted to be able to homeschool my kids. I wanted to be able to work from home. I wanted to be able to make more money. I wanted to be able to take off when I wanted to take off and so forth. And so I then got clear on that and was able to leverage that into then a freelance career, right? So every every time you set, you have a vision for yourself of when you, where you want to go and you get clear on it and you start taking steps towards it, you'll very often, very quickly get there and then you have to reassess and, okay, what's the next thing and what's the next thing and what's the next thing? And it becomes a very exciting uh, adventure to go on to 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 have to constantly be improving upon what it is that you want out of your life. And that's a much better space to be in than constantly always being on the outside looking in. And a big part of of making all of that happen is the point of this, which is all of this this baggage that you mental baggage that you might have that comes from all these people that have told you, well, you have to do this and you have to do that. And you're not a real developer if you do this, all this elitist mumbo jumbo Right? And it's not even just specific to web development. I mean, people tell, oh, you got to have a college degree. You've probably been told that your entire life. You got to go to school, get a degree. That's the only way you're going to get a good job. All of that is crumbling around you. So don't hold on to something. Don't hold on to this d- dying facade or this crumbling edifice. Right? Don't Don't hold on to that and let it drag you down. Let go of it. Let go of all of that baggage. And take on this this scrapper's survivor's mindset of, hey, I'll take it however it comes. I'm I'm worried about the most bang for my buck, right? I'm worried about getting where I want to get as fast as possible, as uh, uh, economically as possible. And and again, not buying into the all this nonsense that you get sold. Right? When you when you embrace that mindset, then you can get where you want to go in my opinion, a lot faster than most people who invest in this dying facade. All right, I'll leave the, I'll leave that there. Coming up in the next segment, we're going to get into your questions. I'm going to try and answer some of the things that you have been sending me. You're listening to The John Morris Show, johnmorrisonline.com. You know, it's kind of funny. Every time someone uh, joins my email list, I ask them a very specific question. I ask them, what would you say if I could, if I told you I could teach you how to master PHP in the next few months. And I get a lot of interesting answers. Now I get a lot of people who, you know, they say, sign me up. Where do I start? Let's do this, right? I get people who are a little more skeptical who say, um, it would depend on the details, you know, if it costs, what it costs, etc. And then I get people probably on the, the most skeptical end who are like, well, what does it exactly take? to master PHP. And all these are really great questions. Now, let me ask you this. 
since you're here listening. What if I told you that you could get started learning everything that you need to know to master PHP, all the foundational skills that are necessary to move you out of maybe that job that you're working right now that you don't really like and just get yourself into an IT career. Oftentimes, people do it making more than they were making before. But even if you could just make the same and start doing it in an IT career as opposed to like I used to do, which was wearing my little chicken costume walling around in Greece all day cooking chicken, imagine if you could learn what you needed to learn, get the foundational skills you needed to start that process all for just seven bucks. What would your answer be? I hope your answer would be a resounding yes. Because I know I'm going to go all keep off my grass old man on you. But I remember what it was like when I was coming up. And the option to get all of that training in one place simply didn't even exist at that time. Unless you wanted to read through a 500-page PHP manual, which I didn't want to do. But today, not only is that option available, but it's only going to cost you 7 bucks to get started. So if you're someone who's serious about learning PHP, about making a career in the IT industry, about getting out of whatever you're doing now that you might hate and getting into the tech industry, you don't have to be a PHP coder forever. That's the thing. You can, If you want to get into all the fancy new stuff, Node and Python, and well, Python's not new, but Django and all this other stuff, all these frameworks and everything that's out there, that's fine. But one of the fastest ways to get out of where you're at now and into a an IT career is through PHP because it's simply the most popular server-side backend language that you're going to find. The job opportunities are huge and there's companies out, out there that are just starving for PHP developers. Clients out there starving for people who can create PHP applications. So again, if you're someone who's serious about making that happen, then I want to encourage you to head on over to johnmorrisonline.com slash php you can start taking module one of my PHP course for just seven bucks. So today, skip the latte from Starbucks, head on over to johnmorrisonline.com slash PHP, and let's get started with your PHP career. Welcome back to the John Morris Show, johnmorrisonline.com. All right, let's get into some of your questions. So this one comes from uh, Ege via email. I hope I said that right. It says, thank you, John, for the daily emails. I've been loving all of your content. I went way past your 10-episode challenge, which is good, and listened to a ton of your podcasts. I'm a computer science student at the moment. I was starting to think programming wasn't for me because the stuff I'm learning in school bores me to death. You opened my eyes, and now that I'm doing your PHP course, I've been reminded that I really enjoy web development. Since enrolling, I've taken multiple clients building WordPress sites. This is something I never would have done before. I listened to your podcast. Keep up the awesome work. I really appreciate all the effort you put in. Go Big Red. Well, uh, a uh, man or woman, I guess I don't really know, after my own heart. That's you know that's the, the quickest way to a Nebraskan's heart is with the Go Big Red. So you got me there. But uh, I find this interesting. I, I wanted to talk about this because I think it's very highly related to what we just talked about in this episode. But I want you to think about this for a second. So... You got into web uh, itch here, got into each got into web development and decided to go to school, college in order to to learn that, which I've talked about 
you know, that can obviously be a bit misleading, but decided to go that route. And computer science was killing your interest. You got back into actually programming and realized you loved it. And now, as a result, you're actually getting clients. So what I wonder is, how much did you pay to have your love of IT, of technology, of web development, destroyed by that school? And I know that's a little bit kind of in your face and aggressive, and I'm sure there's people out there who went to school and it it kindled their love for technology. But this goes back to the really the point I was hoping to make in the main segment, which is you need to let go of this idea, of this mantra that's been so pounded into your head of go to school, get a degree, get a good job. That might happen, or it could be go to school, pursue a degree, realize that you hate whatever they're teaching you, even though it's not the actual thing that you're wanting to do, drop out, flounder for a number of years, uh, and then eventually come back and realize it wasn't that you didn't like the, you didn't like IT, or you didn't like web development. It was that that's not what you were learning in school. Or it could be go to school, get a degree, and then don't get a good job. Like the, probably the millions of college graduates that are out there right now who come out and either don't get a job or don't get a job in their degree field. Right? They're doing something completely different. Oftentimes something they probably could have done without the degree and without the debt. So again, it's, it's, it's a maybe that might work, but this mantra of that being a guarantee, that it, I can't even, it's hard for me to understand how people even believe that these days. It's just been shown to be so untrue. And what you do when you go into specifically a computer science degree, because there's not some, it depends on the degree program, but some don't even have much programming. Uh, uh, some have more than others, but there's a good chance that you run the risk of having your love of IT killed because you're not actually doing what you thought you were going to be doing. And it's for that, it's that way for a lot of degree fields. I mean, a lot of degree f- degrees that you would get or a lot of universities or colleges you go to, you may want to exercise, you may want to uh, major in, say, exercise science, which is what I majored in when I first went to college. And that's what I enjoyed. That's what I was into. That's what I wanted to learn about. But I had to go through, you know, two years of math and history and science in order to be well-rounded in in getting my degree. Well, again, there might be some side benefit to learning that stuff. There may be some, you know, although if you ask me, I think it has more to do with uh, a particular uh, a particular point of view on the world that's being kind of propagated in in those schools, but. We'll save that for another day. But there may be some side benefit, but is it worth the cost that you're paying? The hundreds or thousands of dollars per credit hour that you're paying or per class that you're paying for that that side benefit? Uh, I think you'd be hard-pressed to be able to make your case on that. So, again, you run the risk of having your love of IT killed. Oh, and, you know only for 30 or 50 or $100,000 of debt, right? So you have to be you have to be very careful about this elitist notion that the way to be successful is to to go to college, get a degree and then you'll you'll get a good job. That might happen. There's a good chance it won't. Uh and and it it's 
you're going to incur lots of debt taking that risk. So you really have to assess if it's right for you. And I find it fascinating that, you know, once you kind of got back into actually doing programming, you not only rekindled your love of web development, you actually started getting clients. You know, maybe you could just ditch the degree altogether, right? Because you're already doing what you want to do, presumably. All right, next question comes from Isa via email. And it says, uh, and I'm kind of paraphrasing here because I think this was probably translated from another language uh, using Google Translate, but I wanted to try and answer this because I think it's a question people have. But it says, most of us newbies don't know exactly the starting point of learning in order to get to kind of our final results. We collect many resources with, without knowing how they work and which one might be essential to start with. So in short, we think that in order to master PHP, you need a lot of detail. And, and essentially kind of goes on and says, you know, it's, it's about trying to figure out where to start and, and how to get started in all of this. And so I wanted to address this because it's something that I kind of get fairly regularly and so I, I regularly address it here on the show. But in terms of getting started and, and what route and what path to go, again, I'll advise you to go back and listen a couple episodes ago, how to find your niche in web development. And the episode after that, I think I talk a decent amount about this as well. But really the first thing to do, and it's it's you kind of have to do the two at the same time. I understand that because uh it's hard for you to find your niche until you actually are out there programming and learning code so you kind of have to do it as you go but the very first thing that you have to figure out the your focus from the start shouldn't be oh i got to learn all this stuff it should be i got to figure out what it is that i like doing in all of this what do i actually enjoy out of it do i like am i more of a like a back end person that really likes building applications themselves uh, you know the 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 maybe the more corporate or or more professional so to speak uh applications or am i more of a front end designer type person and i i like the design i like the photoshop i like building websites you know, the colors and the texting i'm into all that part of it or am i kind of a kind of a tweener i'm a tweener i'm a glue person right i know I know the back end coding, I know the front end design stuff and I like I'm a person that's good at bringing it all together. So I can talk to the hardcore programmers, I can talk to the designers and then I'm the one that actually kind of puts it all together and makes it work. You know, that's for for the clients that I have, that's primarily what I do. And so you want to figure out what your niche is in that and then as a result of figuring out your niche, figure out what is the end result that you ultimately can deliver and like delivering and are best at delivering? For me, it's it's kind of, I would say, API integrated websites. So I'm not the one necessarily writing the API. I'm not necessarily the one writing the backend application. I'm not necessarily the designer. I don't do the design work for the clients that I work with. But I'm the one that takes the design and has the backend system here and an API to interact with it and puts it together into the actual website that, that, that people are going to visit, whether it's a team website, so it's an internal thing, or it's a front-facing one, right? That's, that's where my skill lies. And so my end product for the clients that I work with is 
a website. It's this kind of integrated website. And then, you know, in the past when I was doing freelancing more heavily, when I didn't have kind of a, you know, one big client that was taking up a lot of my work, I was doing membership sites. And so I was really good at membership sites. I enjoyed building them and so forth. And so you got to find your niche. That's the biggest thing. Because once you find your niche, then you can narrow the list of things that you need to learn in order to de- to, to deliver that end result, right? To deliver a membership site, there's a ton of things that you don't need to know how to do. It doesn't matter for de- delivering this membership site or delivering a contact form or whatever the end result is that you, you end up settling on. There's a ton of things that you don't need to learn how to do in order to deliver that. And so you can focus in on that narrow set of skills that you need to learn and learn those first. It's not that you don't, you shouldn't ever learn that other stuff, but you need to learn these first so you can get work doing it. And then you can work on the stuff that ultimately, as your career goes, I think you'll find is more important, which is learning how to market yourself to get work for that end result, learning how to deliver for clients, learning how to interact with them and, and make them happy, how to communicate how to ultimately lead that into getting referrals and so forth. You can master the business side of it with that narrow kind of end result. And then after that, once you've kind of got it all down, then you can expand into other areas that you find interest in. But when you're first getting started, you really want to narrow down and focus on that small sliver of things that you need to learn in order to actually start getting work doing IT work, doing web development. That's the fastest way to get going. Okay. And the the key to all that is being able to figure out what your niche is. And it it's not it's not necessarily simple or easy. It takes some, you know, takes some introspection. It takes some thinking. It takes some research. But again, and I would say go back and listen to my episode, how to find your niche in web development, because I go into all of that in detail. But you know, it, once you figure it out, it makes things a heck of a lot easier. All right, that'll do it for the show. If you liked this episode, I'd appreciate it if you'd like it or leave me a five-star review over on iTunes. Uh, if you know somebody who'd benefit from hearing this, I'd appreciate it if you'd share it with them. And if you haven't yet, be sure to subscribe so that you never miss an episode. Thanks again for listening. We'll talk to you next time.